up, Chomp Nation? It is time for this episode of the Chompcast. I, of course, and the person who's always leading this, just kidding, it's me, Rich Meister, filling in for Shay Layton, who is out uh, feel, feeling under the weather. Um, possible possible COVID-related illness, but he's feeling like crap, so he couldn't make it. Um, I'm here from New York, leading the charge. Didn't prepare at all. It's going to go great. Um, of course, I am joined by one Joshua Fowler, uh, for the time being still from Michigan. Josh, what's going on? Not much, not much. Packing everything, just busy with everything at the moment still. Just too busy much, week in general? Too much to do all at once. Yeah, that'll 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 happen, I imagine. And you were saying earlier this um this sweeping hurricane business here in the US that's um that's slowing you up a bit. Well, not here, not on this end, but where uh, where you are going. Where yeah, where we're going. Had to, you know, like double check everything, make sure everything's still fine with as bad as everything got hit where we were going. So I got three of those emergency alerts here in New York today uh, about the weather where they tell you, like, hey, make sure you got, like, three days worth of food at the house and stuff. And I think it's it says nothing about making sure your switch is charged, which seems insane. Um, who's who's even putting these out without suggesting Yeah, I mean, that? I have USB-C in my car to charge it if I need to, but there's no way they could know that. Yeah, I mean, if someone's not as prepared as you, that that seems gross. Anyone in the New York, uh, the Long Island, New York City area, if you need to charge your Nintendo Switch, my car has USB-C. Um, also here to step in, uh, so Josh and I aren't running the show into the ground, we are joined by last-minute fill-in guest, Ray McGill, also from New York. Ray, what's going on? How's your week going? Uh, pretty good. I mean, the funny thing is you brought up that emergency alert thing. I got that while I was driving. It's scary. It scared the crap out of me. And I was driving on a highway. Even if your phone is on vibrate, <laughs> want to hear something weird? I told you I got it three times within ten yeah, so within I. ten minutes. At I was at work. Nobody in the way my office is split up. There's like four of us in the room that is quote unquote my office. Mine went off three times. Not a single one of theirs went off. And every time they were like, "What the fuck?" See, I was driving down the highway listening to Cake. And what song? Um, I believe it was a short skirt, a long jacket. Okay, that's a classic. And it just burr, burr, and I'm this. I'm like, this is not cake. You want to? You want to hear some small world <laughs> shit? Cake was also on in the room I was working in when this happened, but it was Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. That is, that is just. <laughs> it's like everybody's listening to Cake for some yeah, reason. Yeah, we're all. Cake is a good band. It, it, no, Cake is a good mm-hmm. band. But no, it's we are getting hit. It seems like with a Category One hurricane, which you know, the South is a lot more used to this. Us, when you know we get a hurricane, we call it a superstorm because we're idiots. Yeah, no, I'm just not looking forward to that. I need to get a USB C charger for my car. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I have the that like. I have the literal USB-C port in my car, but I only have one cable that's like USB-C to USB-C. Well, you have a new car. My car is 11 years old. I still have like the cigarette lighter thing. (coughs) That's so dope because I'm always looking for ways to light my cigarette and I never can. Oh, no. The weird thing is Uh it came with a faux cigarette plug, but but it it doesn't actually have a lighter. 
Yeah, they don't they don't actually have the lighter portion of it standard anymore, but they, they keep making it because that outlet type was still a thing people were using. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it became standard enough that they couldn't remove it. I actually it. have a this is a really random thing I own, but like I had devices I was using it for. Um at one point it was cheaper for like this portable Blu-ray player I had rather than replacing the actual proprietary uh charging cable for it, I got a DC mm-hmm. to cigarette lighter adapter. So I could use the car charger that still worked for it in the house. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm here last minute because Shay might, you know, he's definitely sick. Yeah, he was he was confident for a while that like even if he didn't have the energy in him to host, um, he would stop by. But he messaged me what, what would have been last night for him this morning for me. And he was like, hey, there's no way. Uh, I'm gonna make it, and I was like, "Well, if you're sure, then I'll I'll tap Ray. We'll we'll uh, we'll put him to good use. Get get a little work at a Ray and have some conversation. I and change the topic up to make it a breezy one, so we can all relax and have some drinks this Friday. Yeah, no, and hopefully he doesn't have COVID. Mm-hmm. But I saw in the chat his symptoms sound COVIDy. Even if he does, I just you know hope he comes out regardless of what it is. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> That's what they always say. So they always say. But he's of hearty constitution, so he should be. Yeah, okay. yeah, his constitution status through the roof. But yeah, that's takes him forever to kill anything. Yeah, but no, he, you, know. you know he's got a really good uh, agility reflex. He's got a good counter attack, but it's only like fifty percent mm. strength. So it's, I yeah. I've been ta- I've been putting him in the back lines despite him being a swordsman. <laughs> I just like to talk about my friends like they're characters i'm playing in wildermyth um anywho we're here to discuss video games um this show probably going to be lighter than normal because the shade being under the weather we don't have polls or anything like that we picked a rather breezy topic and we're going to let josh go ham with all the games he's been playing this week but i'll i'll bring it straight into the topic here i wanted to talk this is just a thought i had while i was working on some reviews and stuff for the website more recently. Um, I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm derailing us before I even get here because I forgot <laughs> Shay has been doing something I'm going to continue the trend of, which is trying to do a quick ad up front here, like a shameless asshole, where I'm going to say, I'm about to talk about a lot of games that have content up on the site, so I want to plug that right away. You're listening to us here. We got content all over the place. You can go to swordchomp.com where we have all sorts of articles from myself, from Ray, from Shay. There's a review up for 12 minutes, which is a game that just dropped, and Shay fought through illness to beat and get a review up for you. There's a review up for Death's Door by now that I just finished up the day prior to this podcast being recorded. There's all sorts of fucking content out there. Um, Ray is writing about Spawn for the Game Boy Color because that's the kind of shit we do here. Um... <laughs> And uh, But yeah, now I'll, I'll segue off that and bring us right into the topic, which is, guys, what is the best game you've played this year that you spent under $25 on? Um, it's just a thought I had as I was playing things like Death's Door and Wildermyth, where I'm like, man, some of the, my favorite shit I've played this year has been like close to $20. Uh, it's just been mm-hmm. some real good indie pickings or just, you know, sales, things like that. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, Josh. What's 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 a standout to you for something you have not spent a ton of money on that you played this year? Um, I kind of went 
even lower because it's like a, sh- a shorter, shorter game, but absolutely worth the small amount of money you're going to put into it and small amount of time, and, and unless you play it over and over again, sort of a because um, it's it's a it's a single sitting bite size sort of experience that is uh, just absolutely worth the money um, before your eyes. I, I love that as a, well. Uh, you know what's funny is that didn't even register to me, and I feel insane that I haven't thought about that game since we last talked about it because that game is wild, and I got to make sure it's on my Google Doc for games I played this year. Yeah, yeah, it is excellent, and it was only you know I'd have to check my thing, but a couple hours long, a couple hours long, but it's it's a ten dollar game. We both beat it in like one um, sitting, right? I know I did. Yeah, yeah, and the the kind of if, if you missed that earlier episode uh the conceit of it is that you play the game by blinking um it has it uses your camera it connects yeah. to your webcam oh i've heard of this yeah, game it connects to your webcam and uh then essentially advances the story whenever you blink uh and it sounds like oh it's so cheesy you know how is this you know and they end up making it work like they they use the mechanic so thoughtfully uh that it's it, it it ends up making you feel really connected to the game like on a physical and it plays level. with memory in a fun way too and like how you want to remember things or and a big part of that is like it, act, it actually plays off which i really enjoyed too and i'm sure we're indulging again because we definitely talked about this when we talked about the game like the whole framing device of like this kind of like river sticks thing where you're you die and you're going down the river sticks with the boatman or the River Sticks equivalent, and you're going through your life, and they even tell you, like, you're going to want to hang on and, like, linger in these moments, but you have to blink and you have to move on because you can't stay there forever. And there are those moments where, like, mm-hmm. I literally physically was, like, tearing up from holding my eyes open, but I'm like, I want to see more of this moment and see what's happening here. Yeah. I actually have yeah. a question. If you keep your eyes closed, does the game just keep on... Like scrolling through things. If no, because it, it's literally looking for the movement. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not like detecting whether well, it's, open or closed eye. No, no, it, it is. De- it is detecting both. Um, because there are some sections where it tells you to close your eyes. That, well, yeah, because they're they're memories of like, you know, late at night or you know, kind of. There's there's a section where you're remembering putting your ear to the door to listen to your parents having a conversation. And of course, if you open your eyes, you'd just be staring at a door, so nothing would be happening. That's not part of the memory. Like it's the part that matters is that you're sitting there with your eyes closed, you know, straining to hear what they're saying. Uh, and so that one, that one, they kind of they swap it up. And if you open your eyes, the game just stops. So, like it, so it plays with it the idea of going. like sense memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like it's trying to evoke certain emotions, like you know, eyes closed and listening, eyes open and li- and see. Okay, that sounds really and, cool. Actually. And also, you yeah. should definitely try it out, Ray. It's it like we said, it's something you can beat in one night, and I think it's worth playing. There's even also like that. There's moments where uh, it, it'll like reset parts of a memory for you because it kind of deals with that whole like how you remember things and repressed memory at one point. And there's a point where they're like, hold your eyes open. We need to see this. You need to face this. We need to see what really happened that night kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm looking at it right now on Steam. It looks actually, I like this art style too. It's Yeah, it's got a great look and it is, it's sad as all fucking hell, but it is really, really neat. Like when you say sad, yeah. like normal sad or like that dragon cancer sad? I don't think it's... Qu- Ah, God, actually, it's probably comparable in that. 
Um, except it doesn't get all preggy at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, saying more than that would feel spoilery. Fair enough. Okay, let's let Josh continue because yeah. if his if we go like this for every game on his list, we'll be here all night. Oh wait, no, I wasn't planning on talking. On, there there were a ton of great games under twenty five bucks so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was only planning on talking about a couple. That one I thought was like a notable standout. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Way talk, under the talk about the ones that you really think are worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- oh, goodness, there are so many. Um, I've mentioned we've talked about this the last couple of weeks about how Death Store. Like as soon as I got into that game, that's on like, my list as well. Yeah, it, explaining to everyone else that it's okay. This one, this one's a must. Review play is up here. at SwordChomp.com. Um, plug. Yeah, and it is just such a satisfying game with it's kind of you know the top-down Zelda-like um, with the hyperlight drifter ass combat gameplay. Yeah, yeah, and the levels are so well designed that it just it feels good to play a well designed level like that so many so many top down games uh, like recently I've seen are kind of trying to think um, I don't want to be mean here but like a lot of them are kind of using that all the rooms are square type roguelike setup for a bunch of things and not that that's bad, but I've I've really missed purposeful just design, really handcrafted, yeah, intentional levels, and this this game was giving me a ton of good feelings playing through those. Yeah, that that combat feels amazing. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome, which I really love. Like it's it's short and sweet in the right ways. My my like mm-hmm. one big gripe with Death's Door and. This will be like me talking about Death Door now, so I won't bring it up again when we talk about games later. <laughs> uh, is that uh, I really think it could have used an overworld map, even if they give it to you at the end, just to help you clean up a little. Um, mm. But beyond that, well, it's amazing. Like it, twenty dollars game that I want to say I put like twelve hours in doing. I think I did all of the optional bosses. I didn't worry about getting all the seeds or all the collectibles or anything like that. Um, but mm-hmm. I did all the optional bosses. I think it's the only game I've ever played uh, where they they encourage you to stop and reflect on the death of a boss after you kill it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yeah, that, that's like, true. That's that's that th- that was that was more Im- you know implied yeah. through like the, all the framing and stuff. Whereas this one, like the characters are actually stopping and reflecting on it, like you know, yeah. On like a, uh, it's not a silent horseback ride. Narrative right. dialogue level, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. There's an interesting bit in Death's Door where one of the main character, one of the char- reoccurring characters, is um, sort of a gravekeeper, uh, and he appears in the room whenever you finish a boss battle, and he's like, "We should say a few words," and does like a bow your head in remembrance moment. Um, oh, okay. Hold off to pay respects. Yeah, and then if you uh, if you go to where he normally is on the map. Uh, like shortly after a boss fight, you'll actually find him digging a grave for the boss. Okay, they could expand upon this in a yep. sequel, make you write a short poem about the boss after they're buried. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure uh, Ghost of Tsushima did that <laughs> <laughs> with its with its haikus before haikus were invented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Garth, that was a haiku. <laughs> We're all about Game Boy games and uh, Wayne's World references here. 
Yes. That's this podcast showing my, showing my age. No, I encourage I encourage that. Um Yeah, Death's Door, definitely. That was like I said, that was one of mine for sure. Um Josh, you got more that you think are worth mentioning? I'll I've got so many. I, how many? How many are you thinking we put here? Because I've got a list. Why list don't we say I'm going to cap you? I'm going to cap oh. you at four, and then if like, and then if four, like Ray's okay. going, and you're like, I really should have mentioned this, we can loop back around. I don't care. Okay. Oh, I'd say cap at four, but then also I think he should say the whole list if nothing else. Then. Yeah, so, just say just run, run through, through the list at the end. But let's talk in depth about okay. at least two more. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Um. Moon Down is sorry. I'm on the way for the motorcycles to go by. I don't know if they're in the recording or not. That sounded like a UFO. Can you give it a second? Yeah, they're they're right here. So, anyway, so you're about to um, get abducted. Yes, mm-hmm. son. Uh, Moon Down is a pencil drawn, like s- sketched first person horror game. Oh, um, I now remember wanting to play this and never getting to it. Yeah, it is. It came out just before uh, Resident Evil 8, so it kind of got overshadowed a little bit, just because that is another great horror game. Um, uh, Moon Down is a whole lot more kind of creeping dread and cerebral horror. It's like almost, almost Lynchian in places with the way. Um, the way it just kind of plays with the narrative, like with so many, so many of the th- happenings in this game feeling surreal, <laughs> um, and unsettling. Um, yeah, one of my favorite horror games in a while, especially in the indie space. Um, it's got you know, kind of that early PS one type, very limited combat in it. Um, but like it, it, the the whole thing works together to. I'm trying to figure. I I don't want to spoil any of it. But anyway, you're you're you are going home to help bury your grandfather because you got a letter from the the priest there saying that he died in a fire. Somebody needs to do something about this corpse. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so it's you know you've got to come help clean out the house and and bury your grandfather and whatnot. And then you get there, and he's like, "I'd never sent you that letter. I don't. I don't want you here. You should probably leave." Um, and it kind of gets crazier from there, finding out exactly what your grandpa got up to back in his younger days, and everything that happened to him. It is such a great horror game that, like, I, I would recommend it to anybody who is a horror fan, and possibly some people who aren't. Now is it like a um, supernatural horror, or is it like, or is yes. it grounded? And it's 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 pretty surreal. Like uh, they do a good job of making all the locations uh, in this little mountain village where your grandpa still, or you know, their, their tiny little village town is all very, very grounded. Um, but then you know all the the horror elements of it are much more uh, supernatural and, and uh, surreal and not um, but uh, you know it's not like zombies or whatever it's, it's got you know more of that kind of 
But it's not just like a straight up serial killer sort of thing. Yes, yes, it's not. Yes, exactly. It's not like realistic. It's more, more in that kind of fantasy esque, more, more secret cult than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it's got that vibe to it. There's love me some secret. They do. Cults. They do try to ground it in the way like they explain stuff There's going so much on. Better than the which cults that are out in the open. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Secret cults always have the best punch. Yeah. Right, this reminds me of when we went to Jonestown. Yeah, they had such great discounts on tracksuits. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I facepalm so much in the show. It doesn't really translate well to the it's audio. It's an audio format. Yeah. Uh, well, if you did it like um, where you could hear it, like... like <laughs> just get it yeah. in the... Yeah, we got, I'll add... Yeah, just go back really, and add a sound effect there. Yeah, I'll just facepalm right into the mic. Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the last one I'm going to bring up, just because, like, top four here. Uh, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Also on my list. Colorful Tale. I figured you guys Um, would be talking about this one. Is outstanding. Just outstanding. uh, The the best Zelda coloring book I've ever played. This is one I really want to play. You absolutely should. Yes. Yeah. Um, It is very relaxing because of the coloring just kind of sitting there and feeling like you can take your time you can get through most screens without too much fuss the puzzles aren't like extremely hard but they do play smartly with the coloring uh yes they do yes yeah it interacts with the coloring uh but even if there's not much for me to color you know on a certain screen because you know just to get through it's it's still just so much fun just relaxing to kind of stay on that screen, finish coloring whatever you wanted to color, um, and then move on. It's just, um, yeah, they did such an excellent job. Um, again, kind of blending the, the mechanics and the narrative together in that game that is just outstanding. Uh, the, um, I mean, as you, you got the art style from what we are explaining. It, it is a coloring book. It looks like a coloring book, basically, um, with really charming little characters. Uh, in the world and the music is excellent excellent it's a uh, another Lena Rain joint and it's just got outstanding music with um, many ha- I mean most people are probably many hat options yeah many many hats um, so it's like Team yeah, Fortress 2 know exactly like Team Fortress 2 <laughs> or a hat store What's what's that mall hat? Lids. Lids. Trying to think of the mall hats. Lids. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, lids. The genre. Um, We're from New York. Lids is part of our yeah. culture. No, those those are the top ones. Those are the top ones. I've got a bunch of others that are great. Yeah, that's great. Still, anyway, I, I still want them to list them off just so they get their due. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. We'll go through. Uh, Josh, before here. you before you list, uh, we'd be remiss to talk about yeah. chicory and not talk about the best part of chicory to me ever. I bring this up every time we talk about chicory. That hint system is the most smartly implemented in a game thing I've ever seen. Uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar, I definitely talked about this before. The hint, the hint system yeah. in Chicory is you go to a payphone and you call your mom, and she'll give you a kind of vague idea of what to do. And you could see through the art in the background your dad like reaching for the phone, and she'd be like, "Oh, your dad wants to talk to you. Do you want to take it?" And if you take it, like it's from your mom, being like, "Well, maybe you should check around here." To your dad being like, "Okay, so here's what you need to do." <laughs> And just telling you exactly where to go. <laughs> yeah, that phone help system is excellent 
just narratively and yeah. mechanically by giving you the vague hint and, and then, then a, a just much all right here's where to go. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Mansplain it to me. Yeah, exactly. You could either mm-hmm. get your mom to help you a little bit, or you could have your dad mansplain it to you. <laughs> exactly. He'll tell you exactly where to go, um, and what to do. It's it's pretty. It's it's great. I, I love that. Um, like a lot of times, I'd figure out something, and because I already knew what to do, and I wasn't spoiling it for myself at that point, I'd then call them just so I could, you know talk to dad or whatever <laughs> just also just, just, the, just so everyone you know, knows there's not enough letters uh there's not enough characters for you to do the fun joke uh where your character is named in chicory it asks you what your favorite food is and your character is just named after that so i want to do the fun joke where i'm like i'm playing this game as a rich white person my character's name is lobster bisque <laughs> <laughs> uh, couldn't name yourself like clams casino yeah, no, it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. But I thought that would be a fun joke. Uh, yeah, Josh, yeah. let's hear what else made your uh, your list, just to hear. Oh, yeah. All right, so we got... This one, I'm not sure, because it's still an early access, and I never know when to do those. I generally don't consider them, you know, for award stuff until, like, <laughs> for, you know, end of the year stuff until... They're full full 1.0. Yeah, I full, agree with full that. Full releases. Um, We've had, that's a conversation we have in the background, like, every year. But yes, even even though it's early access, Valheim has been a ton of fun um, for for twenty yeah. bucks. That's kind of um, that's going to kind of depend on your friend group whether or not you have people who would be down for a sort of Viking survival. Hey, it was like game. forty bucks for us, Josh. With I briefly, you, I briefly bought us a server. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's good enough on your own that if you like that sort of thing, cause it's it it's works. It's going to be slow going. So it's kind of it's, it's, Yes, it is much. It is much slower. It's kind of. It's got that Minecraft feel to it. Like it works solo or as a group, um, but there's stuff that's going to take you way, way longer if you're not, you know, splitting up tasks and whatnot. Totally. Um, let's see what we got. We've got uh, Cyber Shadow, Loop Hero, Ender Lilies. And Strange Land. All right, yeah, those are all. Which are, some of uh, those have made my list, uh, and I know one of them mm-hmm. had made Ray's. Uh, yes. So all we'll right. get around to all of that. Uh, Ray, I'm gonna throw it right to you because I know you wanted to talk about Loop Hero, which you said you hadn't played yeah. a ton of smaller stuff this year, but that is the standout for you. Yeah, Loop Hero, I think is actually. I did think of a couple others actually. I forgot about some of the quote unquote free stuff, but Loop Hero, I think, is a very relaxing yet tense game and if I'm sure you guys have explained it on the podcast before how the game plays you know you go around on a loop you place tiles enemies appear and you choose whether or not to end a run I haven't gotten very far in it I think though it's a it's a unique idea I think it plays well and I think it explains itself really quickly really well because it is something kind of unique so Without that good explanation, it wouldn't have been great to play. A game like that can be really bogged down by not getting you in with the fucking program quickly, which is, yeah, that's, that, that's a fair compliment. Yeah. Um, t- yeah. Two other games I wanted to bring up, actually, just to bring them up quick. They're both actually Apple Arcade games. Oh. Um, first one being Fantasian, which is made by Miss Walker Studios, the creator of Final Fantasy and his cohorts. I haven't started yet. I just got yeah. my MacBook finally updated yesterday while I sat in the backyard. So I'm, I'm going to... All right. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm not done with the first uh, not chapter. No, it's the first chapter. Whatever. I think it's called. 
Are they calling it chapters? Yeah. I was thinking that they had act breaks in the game that were called chapters, so I couldn't remember. No, the second one but. just came out. I'm not nearly close to finishing the first one yet. However, a game like that is kind of why I bought a Backbone, because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it plays supremely well with that. Um, it's a great turn-based RPG. It's made by the creator of Final Fantasy, and the art style is truly one of the most unique things I've ever seen in a video game ever, where they their physical dioramas they take pictures of and then the game is digitally placed on these dioramas i think that's yeah. genius it looks great a lot of ca- like i think a lot of the top uh movie prop houses in japan contributed to making this game and it shows there's a lot of care in the backgrounds like mm-hmm. the story itself is nothing special or over the top like it's not you know it's not changing the way JRPGs. I've heard it's a very bare bones fantasy story, is what I heard. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's hero with amnesia discovers. Wait a Vita's. minute, the, the main character doesn't with even the, remember the who they of... are. That's wild. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, how will they save but, the yeah. world? The touch controls work fine, but with if you have a way of playing it with a controller, it's even better. And then the last game I want to talk about, I've been playing it mainly on my iPad. Uh, Clap hands golf which is another Apple Arcade hmm. game. It is made by the studio Claphands, who makes Everybody's Golf, also known as Hot Shots Golf. It is literally just a new Hot Shots Golf on something other than a PlayStation console. Huh. That's I'm going to probably download that too, then. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's a... I don't know if it works with a backbone. I've only played it on the iPad with touch controls. It controls amazingly well. The music is this. The music is what you expect. The courses are what you expect. The challenge is what you expect. If you ever played any of these games, I love everybody's golf. I love Hot Shots golf. If you have Apple Arcade, I cannot stress enough. Play this game. Yeah, it's it's not from this year, but but also if you have Apple Arcade, play What the Golf. Yeah, What the just, Golf is yes, a great just, game. Just play that. That's just yeah. a public. That's also on Switch. That's also it's, it's on it's on like everything else too. But yeah, the, the phone is where like, I played that if, game if first. Got, that game's great. S- same yeah. here. I played it on my old phone mm-hmm. actually, and it made my old phone feel like it was going to set my hand on fire. That's normal. <laughs> That's how phones should feel. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess. But yeah, no. Otherwise, I haven't played really much of like the like less expensive stuff. I mean, I plan on playing Hades now that it's on Game Pass. Um. Mm-hmm. So. To me, that's under $25, and it yeah. came out this year on Game Pass. I think for the most part, Game Pass, especially if it's an indie or something, like I think that's a fair argument. Um, granted, I play a lot of $60 stuff on Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. downloaded a bunch of stuff on Game Pass that I've never gotten to before. I listed some of, the, some of them to you before the podcast, but Hades is one I'm looking forward to, because... You'll, you'll well, adore that. Hades is fantastic. It yeah. was our game of the year last year. Um, it was a lot of game of yeah. the years. It there was a lot of contention and argument, but it was our game of the year. And I would say I, mm-hmm. I love that studio. Bastion is one of my favorite games ever. You know, I think oh, yeah. I you know I think they just have a great crew over there, and I I'm kind of there for whatever they put out. Super Giant cannot miss. I'll I talked about this a lot when we were talking about Hades. Like I still think it is probably one of the underdog ones in terms of people like absolutely adoring it i think pyre might be my favorite game they've ever made i i was gonna say they, they can miss transistor kind of missed for me i tried it i wanted to love it i love i like transistor I it was my they, least favorite of their things but i liked it 
Yeah, I love Transistor. It's it. It gets way too hard at the end, I think, for most people because they the they did some weird things with the way the combat works in there, and it's like ends up being ridiculously in-depth. It, require, the way it, they, it uh, requires this very specific way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Almost like what I think of yeah. when I hear people talk about Splitgate. You know, I hear that mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, I, I can wrap my head around the shooting, I can wrap my head around portals, Trust but me, I can't do both at the same time. You don't need to do that for Splitgate because nobody is working with the... Only like two yeah. people on your team are working with the portals properly. Not They're not thinking with portals. Splitgate's great. Um, <laughs> the, the reason I'm not talking about Splitgate all the time right now is because I suddenly I think it's because of the console launch everybody's talking about Splitgate when like two years ago I was shouting from the top of the like you guys should check out this Splitgate thing <laughs> alright whatever portal <laughs> hipster I uh yeah Splitgate's cool um but uh yeah no it's one of those standouts for me Hades is great uh Pyre they just full on went we're gonna make some real fantasy basketball here and I was into it yeah oh yeah Three on three for life. Um, yeah, for me, uh, when I was thinking of this, uh, a lot of names that already came up, like Death's Door. Um, Josh briefly mentioned Cyber Shadow, so I'll bring that up because that was definitely on my short list. Um, I think we were talking about this before the podcast. Uh, well, one of the things I've downloaded on your on Game Pass, Pass list. Yeah. yeah, Cyber Shadow is fucking fantastic. It is Ninja Gaiden. It is very much Ninja Gaiden with a little bit of Metroidvania tinge to it. Um, it is unabashedly old in like the way it looks and feels in a lot of ways, but it's still... That game is so fucking hard uh, what it needs to be. There's a motorcycle section that made me want to rip my hair out, but the difference between that and a game mm-hmm. that is doing it badly is I sat there for... 45 minutes to get through it because I was like no I can do this like it wasn't unfair it was just kicking my ass Um, yeah yeah it's tough but like with very very few exceptions it always feels like it's your fault whenever and then it tends to reward things like that like that that motorcycle section I just mentioned like once you get through that it rewards you by putting you in a mech for a little while where you just kick ass Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> the music is fantastic. Every bit of art in that game like leaps off the screen at you. Uh, it hits yeah. you with the humor in the right spaces, and it's just unapologetically an old game. Like it is in gameplay and look, it feels like a game I could have played on the SNES. Uh, well, I mean, looking at it, it kind of gives. Just looking at it, tell me if I'm wrong. Kind of gives me Messenger vibes. I think, in some ways, yes. Um, in other ways... Because I really loved The Messenger. The Messenger, you know, I absolutely fucking adore that game. When I was working at Destructoid, it was the only 10 out of 10 I ever gave out. Um, it is way more Ninja Gaiden than The Messenger was in terms of how punishing it can be. Okay. Um, but there's still a comparison worth making. Okay, and like I said, I'm just doing it off the visuals. So. Yeah, no, that... I actually remember the first yeah. time I played Cyber Shadow... Uh, it was, like, right after when the Messenger's DLC was launching, and it was at Yacht Club's booth, but just for press that year, and I got to check it out for a little bit, and I was like, oh, God, they're just hitting me with these Ninja Gaiden games left and right, and I am into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, just published by Yacht Club, but it is real a real good game for Yacht Club to have as their second outing after Shovel Knight. Um, that kicks ass. That's 1999. Yep. It's on Steam. It's on Game Pass. Now, um, can you be Shovel Knight in it? 
in uh, is it one of these in, is it one of these indie games where you get to play as other indie characters? No, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that got added after the fact. Like I played through all of it on PS5 at launch. Okay. Um, and then, quote unquote, never looked back. Yeah, I uh, just feel like there was that era of indie games where it's like you could be Commander Video in every uh, every indie game or Super Meat Boy, and then everyone forgot who Commander Video was. I'm reminding them. <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly, what is it? Runner 2 and 3 happened, I think is what happened 2 with was that. fine. 3, not so much. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 1 is still just perfect, but 2 and 3 felt like they kind of... 1 is perfect. I'll agree with that. A- added, added enough, like, extra fluff to the way stuff... Yeah, no, no. ...feels that it just it never felt And my wording there was purposely specific. 2 was fine. Yeah. 3 is yeah. not good. It added Charles yeah. Martinet. No, yeah, no, like... By comparison, yeah, two is not bad, but by comparison to one, oh yeah, no, just, it doesn't hold it's the a massive step to down. It. Uh, it's kind of like Shaq Fu yeah. two in that regard. <laughs> Pause for great laughs. Co- great compa- great comparison. <laughs> Pause mm-hmm. for laughs. Um, we can bring up that story again. That's one of my favorites. Shaq Fu two, um, the game they gave me for free for buying NBA Playgrounds, a bad game. They then punished me by giving me a worse game for free as an apology. <laughs> Uh, I just thought NBA Playgrounds was going to be NBA Jam, but it wasn't. <laughs> no. I think NBA Jam, that's mm. a magic that can never be recreated. But I thought we were going to get close, and then I fired that game up on my Switch and thought about jumping out the window. No, unless you could put in your initials as ARK, and that allows you to play as Bill Clinton, we will never capture that magic again. Uh-huh. Release the ROM for rocks, Socks the Cat Rocks the Hill, you cowards. If you cannot play as former Houston Oilers quarterback Warren Moon, <laughs> then I don't want basketball game. Then I don't want your game. Um, exactly. To round out this topic, yeah, yeah. So, like we said, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting towards the end here. We already talked about Death's Door. Um, the last one I wanted to bring up is one Josh and I played a little bit of together Wildermyth. Um,. I know with how busy Josh has been from certain with certain games, he hasn't gotten back to that one yet. I put in like another twenty hours since him and I last played it. Um, <laughs> and the deeper you go in that game, the more rewarding it is. We, Josh and I, will have to get back to our campaign at some point because he just scratched the surface in terms of like we got a man who's turning into a wolf. In my current campaign, I've been through like three of them at this point. I keep bringing legacy characters in. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, we've definitely talked about it. Uh, Wildermyth is sort of a D&D like tabletop tactics RPG where you randomly generate characters you can play with another person and there are some pre-made campaigns but events during those campaigns in between major chapters uh, are all procedurally generated and there are full-on procedurally generated campaigns as well so how your characters interact is determined by like social stats like charisma and, and personality types um and when you finish a campaign, they get added to your legacy. Their children can eventually join your adventures. And the very simple art style is done for the simple reason of these characters are, like, insanely moddable. Uh, Josh and I had a character who took on mm-hmm. uh, a blessing from some wolf god and slowly started turning into a wolf man and gaining new abilities like bite and claw attacks. In the campaign yeah. I'm currently playing, I have a wolf man like that. I also have an archer who's turning into a giant raven. Um... I have a mystic who <laughs> is turning into a bear, uh, and I have a uh, swordsman who one of her arms has been turned into fire. 
uh, as well as just, you know, some people who sometimes when characters fall in combat, you can choose to either let them die and leave your legacy, or you can choose to have them escape, and they'll take sort of um, social harm, sometimes physical harm, uh, like a scarring, losing a limb and having to replace it with like a hook appendage or something. Sometimes they'll just lose one of their personality traits. Like, you might have a very happy-go-lucky character who, after barely escaping death, their entire personality changes, and they kind of, like, become the cautious, like, timid one, and that can affect how they interact with the other characters. A lot of it feels like lore you're building in your own head, but the writing is so smart and simple in the right ways that I, I just... When I play this game, I play for, like, four or five hours at a time. Like, I just keep going. Yeah. Wait, now this is a multiplayer yeah. game? It can be. Uh, you can play it co-op, and basically the, the way the co-op works is you go when you're setting up characters, you can assign who controls them. So Josh and I were yeah. playing... A- all, all, uh, uh, what was it? Final Fantasy Nine, I think, let you do that, where if you plug in another controller, you could select Did nine which let characters you, do that? you had... Final Fa- I'm pretty sure 9 let you Final do that. Final Fantasy 6 on the Super Nintendo definitely did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember 9 letting you yeah, do that. I think, I think 9... You I may be right. I, I, I'm i trying to remember. I, I thought it was... I think 9 was the one that did it on... On the PlayStation? Uh, yeah. I know that 6 on the... 6 slash 3 at the time on the Super Nintendo definitely did that, and so did um, Legends of Mana, which, whichever one came out here initially. <laughs> I don't remember, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is that though. Uh, while Josh looks that yeah. up, now it sounds very D and D ish. It's very D and D, especially with. Yeah, it does. Nine, they do. Have okay, that. I didn't realize that. That's cool. And I think I think it's just set up of like party order. So like, instead of picking which character, like whoever, it's like player one controls the first two, player two controls the, the second two. Yeah, player two controls. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it is very D and D in that regard. It but. It's D and D using dice. Like, is it saying like you're no, no, you're, you're not your literally attacks just like one d four. Actually, yes, e, I think I believe it, it is almost like a. Uh, I don't. I've I've not. I can't remember if they. I was playing a bunch like last a night. I I don't like there there are there are absolutely rolls because they show you percentages of stuff. But I no, can't I remember I do think it does tell you simulated with. I do dice. think it tells you like one d two one d four piercing stuff like that. Um, well, yeah, like okay. Knights of the Old Republic way back when did that. That was like literally like D and D third edition thrown into Star Wars video games. So yeah, kind of like this. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. yes. Um, and we just we worked it as you know we control X characters in combat, and then when we were making the bigger decisions on the map, we'd be like, well, Josh, this is your character, so it's your call. What do you want her to do? Except yeah. for the part when Josh's character was hearing the beckoning call of the wolf god, and I just kept yelling, "Do it, do it, do it." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's, it sounds uh, like a lot of your characters are, like, turning into fantasy druids. Like, this one's turning into a raven, this one turns into a bear, this yeah. one has a wolf head. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, at the end of... A lot of this stuff plays out where when you finish a chapter, like, it tells you when you start a campaign, like, this campaign is five chapters long. So, chapters will consist of, like, a sub-goal and then an ultimate goal, which will be, like, survey this huge area of the map and then prepare to assault to this fortress or whatever to continue. Um... And enemies go stronger as time passes. Like, basically, cards get added to an enemy deck to be like, oh, now this type of, uh, you know, Gorgon character has plus 25 health for the rest of this campaign. Stuff like that. Um, So as that continues, basically, when you finish a chapter, it goes, okay, the events of this chapter led to nine years of peace. And then it'll go, here's what happens during the nine years. Um, And you can choose to often, at the end of these campaigns and stuff, advance a character's transformation and, like, let another limb be taken by that enchantment. Or, um, 
characters actually all have a retirement age where um like they they put down their sword and they they leave the adventure when they be- get old enough uh is there like a certain cutoff age is it like it depends you know? on the character and certain events can actually affect their retirement age like if they're maimed uh, and like lose a limb or something, it might go like uh, minus ten to their retirement or plus ten to their retirement age, something like that. So they retire earlier. So is there like any character who like it's the day before their retirement and they're guaranteed to die? Uh, well, they, it will tell you when you're making big decisions for certain characters. It'll be like, note this character will retire at the end of this chapter. Okay, so it's not like a Kabui, though. It's like, oh, it's my last week before retirement. <laughs> I did actually have a campaign last night. I was going to attack with a character, and I saw that it was, he would retire at the end of the chapter, and I got the option whether to have him flee and save some stats or die and do a ton of damage to the boss, and I just went three days from retirement and clicked on the die button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get, getting too old for this shit. Get, yeah, but like I said, sometimes mm-hmm. their children will join the adventure. Um when you're playing a campaign, you'll sometimes see a recruitment station pop up in a town where it goes, click on this, and you can recruit a new character. And um, what happens when you've played multiple campaigns, you can either roll an entirely new character or you can pick a character from your legacy. Um, and sometimes you can even get an already retired character, and it has the literal like moment of, like, no, nah, I'm too old for that shit. And they're like, they say you okay, were the yeah. greatest. We need your help. <laughs> like... <laughs> Okay, so you can convince them to come out yeah, of retirement? Yes, yes, Okay, you know what? That's act for one last job. Yeah, you can, you know what, you that, can Rambo that's them. That's actually super cool. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This game's really cool. It's it's $25. Um, it, it, was, it actually came into early access like a year ago, I want to say, but it recently launched in 1.0, and that's when I picked it up. And I still yeah. have like another five campaigns that are like done in the story before I start dipping into procedurally generated or mod community stuff there's already a ton of mod community stuff uh one of the ones i just added on was it adds a new merchant to the map i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast i definitely mentioned it to josh it adds a merchant who um basically if a character loses a limb like i have that one mystic who has a hook hand now so she can't use two-handed weapons um you can go to this merchant and pay him to construct you new fully functioning limbs out of golem parts oh that's nice of him so it's pretty cool um yeah. I yeah I, I was going to bring that up when we got to games, so I figured I might as well just get it all out of the way now. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna continue checking that out. There's so much game there. I will probably write a review at some point. But that, that no, it sounds like a great game actually. It's really really cool. What is it called again? It's called yeah. Wildermyth. Wildermyth, like, so you have me like. It's on yeah. Here it is. <laughs> so you have me like looking up stuff. It's like oh, it's like I shouldn't be spending more money. But it's really cool, and I'll play a campaign yeah. with you multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> Peer pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah, unless you guys have any other notes on this topic, uh, I'd say we take a break and come back and talk about some games. I actually do yeah. have one quick question. Go for it. Because you had me thinking about this. Because mm. it had me thinking, what do you think is the best game you ever bought for $25 or under when it was new? That was what this topic almost was. and uh, I, th- mm. I-, I thought of two initially. I'm going to let you go, because I'm racking my brain for this. Yeah, yeah, no, take it. Um, Stardew Valley. Yeah. Star- Stardew Valley is a fantastic game. And the original Katamari Damacy on the PS2. Yep, that's it. God, Katamari Bo- Damacy for, t- for 20 bucks was just 
didn't know what you were getting God, into. God tier deals. Yeah, yeah. Though, probably both of those for me as well definitely would make that list. Um, Sardu in particular just evokes a time in my life because Ray and I were actually both working the same shitty job where we allow we're allowed to bring our laptops all day at the time. So him and I mm-hmm. probably put in over a hundred hours on Stardew Valley sitting next to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that definitely is like a time and place thing. And Katamari just. I didn't even know what I was buying. I bought it just sight unseen. It, and I think it was that magic. game we all bought because you're like, it's this weird Japanese thing and they're releasing it at only $20. Yeah. And it was fucking great. And it's on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, I'm oh, looking yeah. at my Game Pass list. <laughs> I actually don't like the reroll, though, as much as the original. Like, the physics are a little different. I Yeah, they did change the physics engine a little bit. It's a little bit harder to roll up things, like especially like the rolling up walls. Yeah, Um, it's just less reliable. I'll tell you what I did like about reroll though, playing it on my Switch. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. It's kind of funny how it seems like our list of two for all time are the same. It's also like a matter of like if I really have to think about that, I'd have to like research gaming prices and think on years. Yeah, Yeah, I'd have to go back. Like on the spot, those are two really good picks that both resonate with me. Yeah, well, I was was going to pick Katamari Damacy, but... I wasn't because for some reason I thought it was $30. Most of my gaming when I was younger was like, the you know the used game sales at GameStop you know like the the buy two oh, yeah. get that was the a lot of event games. of the so, year yeah no you, you you go in there with twenty bucks and you come out with three games and so like for the actual price I paid there's some amazing you stuff you know I'll, on there. I'll always remember um, that but, from from college because often that sale was like the week after Christmas so I was like I got a bunch of money in my pocket um, and I'm gonna look for the brand new games that people beat and brought back that they're selling for $55 and get three brand mm-hmm. new games for the price of two. There you go. Yeah. Alright, so on that note, why don't we go to break? Yeah, let's take a quick break. Everybody get hydrated and make it the pee-pee. Um, and I'll bring mm-hmm. more of this raw hosting energy. We'll be right back. Have you been playing video games for so long that you haven't met a lucky lover yet? Has your significant other been displeased with your sexual performance because you are more focused on a raid rather than thinking about their body? Are you tired of not bringing gaming into the bedroom? Well, fear no longer. Introducing Poppin', the first gaming boner pills. Pop one of these bad boys into your mouth and rise to the occasion. Shaped like your favorite gaming characters, such as Sonic. Gotta go fast. Kirby, who we all know is good at swallowing. Pikachu, who will shock your lightning rod into gear. And many more iconic characters. We here at Sword Chomp know the struggles that can happen in the bedroom. I, Rich Meister, was one of those people. Whenever I bring a decently attractive person home, 
well, at least they looked attractive when I was drunk. I couldn't stay hard. I kept thinking, one more run to level up, just one more. Games were pulling me from my sexual experiences, but no longer. We created these pills to help the average gamer get it up and stay where the action is. Now you can order yours at swordchomp.com store, and you too can see if you can beat your high score in the bedroom. Side effects may include perineum numbness, amnesia, daddy issues, overwhelming desire to mansplain, ear fingers, disappearing urine, and more. Swordchomp cannot be held liable if the customer has medical problems while taking poppin'. Please consult a physician before taking poppin' or don't because we're not your mother. If you have a boner for more than four hours after using poppin', just keep having sex until it goes away. All right, and we are back from break. Fresh drinks in hand, everyone's bladders controlled, and I hope everyone's ready to strap in because we're ready to talk about some games. Um, it's not delivery. It depends. Because I'm shitting my pants. Uh, I already- it's not shitting your pants if it's a colostomy bag. That's true. That's technically correct. That's what they. That's uh-huh. what that's there for. That's what they wanted you to do. That's. This isn't my fault. Um, so, I inadvertently cleared out all the games I wanted to talk about this week in Death's Door, review up now, and Wildermyth, uh, during the topic, didn't see that happening. Uh, Josh has a rather long list, so I'm gonna throw it, uh, to him first, we'll, we'll rotate at some point here, just to keep it fresh. Josh, why don't you talk to us about 2D and Top D? Tell me what this is, because I have no idea. Alright, uh, 2D and Top D is... A game that I think I found on Twitter because some other game devs that I follow had, you know, like liked early screenshots something, of yeah. it. Yeah, retweeted. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, it is a top-down and side-scrolling game at the same time, um, where you're controlling two different characters, one of whom is just you know standard Mario jumping around type side-scrolling platformer okay, this looks baffling. and the other one is a top and the other one is like a top-down um, kind of puzzle sort of uh, character uh, and it is a puzzle game essentially where you're trying to work together with those two characters to uh, to do stuff um, that Oddly enough, I think the thing that kind of sold it for me, and it doesn't sound like it would... Like, it's mostly puzzles. Like, most of the levels are puzzle-based stuff. But then at the end of each world, there's a boss. And you fight a boss as these two characters. And it goes from puzzle game to, like... Still a puzzle. Like, you're still having to figure out really complex, you know, boss patterns and stuff. But it's much more twitchy and reflex-based. Um, some of my favorite bosses this year, and there's been a lot of good bosses with stuff like Death Door, and it's they're good. Like it's it's surprising how good the bosses are in this weird indie puzzle. I think game. about the Gray Crow um, in Death Door a lot since finishing that game. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really satisfying. I was I remember was, um, last week after we recorded, I was staying up with. Shay just kind of hanging out both playing different games and whatnot and I was playing some of that and it, it's just it's so satisfying it is um, just just a kind of you know not not a super long game just um, kind of short puzzly experience but I like I 
I would suggest it just on the merit of the bosses, but the game, the whole game is is good as well. Um, it just I, that stands out so strongly that I think I think anybody would be interested in at least that part. If with with the you know caveat being you got to play a puzzle game to get there, and I know that's gonna bog down out some for a people, lot of people. Yeah. Yes, I have a question. Yeah. when you say puzzle, how difficult are the puzzles? Is it like basic Zelda puzzles, or are we talk about like the Witness? Um, there's a lot in between that spectrum, but I think it's it's a good point to get out. It's it's closer to like Zelda puzzles for the most part. There are a few near the end that get pretty pretty tough, um, but most of those are kind of the difficult thing about it is a lot of times the timing of it um, because the like the main the main kind of conceit is that the two of you are on a journey to find the missing semicolon and so you've got to get to these portals at the end of each level but you've both got to be there at the same time um, which it's um, you're swapping back and forth not controlling both simultaneously um, and like whenever you switch to one character the other one is like phased out so they can't take damage or be hit by anything. Okay. Um so you kind of control one and then the other. And a lot of them early on are kind of, you know, pushing blocks around and stuff like that. With the interesting thing about that being that since one of them is on the wall and pushing those blocks around, when you switch it to the side scrolling platformer, where those blocks are are now platforms you can jump on. And you know, so it has like a good interplay between the two planes of existence. Yeah, yeah, they they get they get a lot of mileage out of the you know, kind of simple concept of just what if this level supported two ways to interact with it? Sort of a Okay, no, that actually sounds super smart. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is it is it's been fun. It's been really fun. I I knocked that out in a few days. Like I said there are a few tough puzzles. The bosses are the bosses are absolutely great and I think I think a lot more people than would usually get into a puzzle game would be down for the bosses in this game. So. Like Cuphead quality? Sorry, um, sorry to be all I mean, reductive. I just, you know, I just... No, I think no, it helps. No, that's, Having a um, good line of comparison can help for a lot of people. It's... They're not that complex, because those get pretty complex. I mean, more like in quality um, and just, like, overall, like, yes, this felt worth it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think everything's tuned well enough. Okay. Um, yeah, like they're yeah, they're in the same ballpark. They that um, at least at least to me, like I said, the uh, the complexity is not there. Like some of the, especially the later Cuphead bosses, just get yeah, they can get pretty nuts, ridiculous. Um, and there's there's nothing that scale as far as like, you know, a boss with forty five moves, uh, <laughs> sort of a thing. Um, now on, the, on yeah. the puzzle end, though, I just need to ask: like, is it one of those things that when you finish one, you feel super accomplished, and when you can't do it, do you feel super dumb? Sort of like when I think about like something like Baba is You, I felt super accomplished when I was able to do stuff, and then I felt like an absolute idiot when I was like, "What am I doing?" Um, they're generally not that hard because of a lot of it is kind of built around that moving the platforms that you're platforming on so there's a lot more of um they're not built around being you know super super difficult puzzles because you still need to mechanically 
be able to solve them um, after after the fact because it's not just you know um, like a turn-based thing or whatever where it's it's uh, everything's slow. There's there's an element of you know twitchiness to it um, that kind of makes that a, a lot of the difficulty is kind of offloaded onto that instead of it just having to be difficult by way of puzzles. Gotcha. Um, so it's like this all this hybrid and it all kind of works together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds better than the title would suggest. <laughs> Until I yeah, saw the, the picture, is a I didn't bit... understand what the title was trying to say. Oh, at the second he described the two like planes of existence, I was like, oh, I hate and love this at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it it didn't connect with me for some fucking reason, and then I saw the picture, and my brain was like, me understand now. Oh, it's because you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> that was a really good impression of my dad. I've, I've, well, I've had years of practice now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No one will ever love you. Yeah, he says that too. Mom! <laughs> you, can, you can do them both, it's so good! That was dark. Um, <laughs> that's, so that's 2D and Top D. Uh, I see it's on Steam. Is it, is it just PC right now, Josh? Uh, I believe it's just PC. Who wants to say it? I could I could look it up. I'm pretty sure it was just on PC because it was a, you know, small team working on it. Who wants to say the line, uh, Rich? Do you want to say the line? You go ahead. This sounds like it'd be a great Switch game. Yeah, no, it does in fact sound like it would be a great Switch game. Let's see. But I see it on Steam for 19.99, which I think is a slight markdown. Yeah, it looks like it's it's currently just on PC. Okay, yeah, just PC. 2D and Top D. Uh, Josh, I'm also going to keep diving ahead with your long list here. You also played a little <laughs> bit of Eastern Exorcist, which the title alone sounds intriguing to me because it sounds like it's a fucking RPG. <laughs> now let's hear some more. It sounds like a David Carradine movie. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, and I'm pulling uh, it up right now. It is. And it's under $20. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a. Um, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if it's on anything else currently, but I, I also got this one on Steam, and it is a uh, 2D side-scrolling uh, action RPG set in a fantasy Eastern world, yeah, like a- with with the vicious spirits there, and monsters. You there you go. Yeah, with with a lot of focus on like the gameplay is about the combat in this thing. Like, there's next to no platforming in it. They've got the world laid out like it's going to be a Metroidvania, but you kind of just walk through it with like a little bit of backtracking here and there that you can teleport between. It looks pretty. This is pretty. Um, I'm looking at the Steam page also. This is pretty. It's it's very pretty. It is very pretty. It is uh, a game that just got localized or just got released. It's like $17. Which, at least in the States. That's a good deal. Um, and there's also a, there's yeah, a free from, demo. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a... It was from a Chinese developer that uh, they weren't able to get it out of China for a little while, but it just released here Well, the fu- couple months the ago. The funny thing is the buy button still says, it says buy in English, and then there's Chinese characters, which I'm guessing say Eastern Exorcist. Um, let me see if I can see where it, it launched yeah. last month, July 7th. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is really satisfying combat. Um, it feels like a lot more of the difficulty in it is kind of built around your um, like personal um, 
combos and stuff. Um, you know, like in some, some games, it's more about like avoiding enemies or or parrying, dodging at the right time. There's there's still that there. It is still soulsy with the parrying, the dodging, and whatnot. Um, but there's way more focus on this one. On uh, you've got like different abilities that you can switch between that are abilities is the wrong word. It's they're they're more like stances. Like they call them something else in this game because the translation is still a little Rocky. shaky. Um, but they're they're basically stances okay. that you can switch between. Um, you get like eight of them, and you can have four equipped at a time. That you can switch between um, that all have you know different pros and cons to them. Um, like you know, okay, this you're you're tankier with this stuff on, or this one lets you kind of self heal off of hits. Um, and then they've got you know a variety of different things there, but um, the the bigger difference being that it will like you've got the same light attack heavy attack sort of a thing and then you know variations on those uh but depending on which stance you're in uh it will change the way your combos flow um because it'll it'll they'll, they'll add like different mechanics to each of those buttons like okay like um with like this lightning stance on there if you do um, perfect dodges off of enemies you'll like build up lightning charges or stuff um, there's also like a well timed um, like after your second attack if you don't if you're not just button mashing if you time your third attack like during a flash you'll get a much more strong like a much stronger slash attack instead of the normal follow up mm-hmm. combo and a lot of the stances will do different things with that slash like okay if you if you time this right with this one, you'll build up a stack of something else, and you can kind of then use it to, to to you know change change what you're planning on doing. Um, the like, like I was kind of saying with the translation of just the mechanics, even uh, it's a little shaky. So the story is also um, I feel like it's I feel like I'm missing some of it. At least I assume I am. Um, like you're getting bits and pieces, or maybe there's not a whole lot there to begin with. That's I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's the thing is like um, is it some of the translation bad translation in places like like I was saying like, like original um, Final Fantasy Tactics level like missing stuff. We're yeah we're in that territory um, sort of. There's a character um, named Argus. Well, more so like, like I was mentioning with the slash thing, there are a bunch of moves just in the in the combat that have very similar names, and they're used like okay, this is supposed, this word should be bold and and red or something like okay, this one this is this is a mechanic word, and sometimes they're not translated the same, and it's it's kind of. It leads to an, an amount of futziness trying things out to try to understand how they're explaining how certain abilities will end up working. Um, so you're wrestling with the mechanics because of inconsistencies in the tutorial? In translate, no, yeah, well, just in, like the translations, not not even in the tutorial, but like whenever you go to unlock a new node, like it's saying it'll do this in certain situations, and sometimes it's not clear what those are. Um, 
it's not it's not so difficult that that is gonna like stop you from from getting through it uh, though because it does have a lot of difficulty options that you can you know crank it down if it is difficult for you but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be super difficult um, I do have to ask it's I'm looking hmm. at all these screenshots here on the steam page all the screenshots I don't know if they're doing this just for you know the steam page but there seems to be no like HUD elements oh there no there's there's there is a HUD they just make it really easy to turn off so I'm sure they've got it turned off for all the screenshots. Yeah, they do. Okay, so yeah, because um, I'm not seeing any meters, right? Because you said like building up like lightning charges before, so I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, so it's got keeping track of that somehow. Yes, it has a almost fighting game like UI, kind of at the bottom middle of the screen that'll show your health and like some cooldowns and whatnot, and then you know like the enemy's health next to that. Okay. Um, because no, it's it, very it, fighting game like whenever you're you're in combat it does it looks um, pretty and it seems like something if you play it enough you turn off more and more hud elements and it just looks nicer as a result mm-hmm yeah so um some of it you're probably going to need the hud on for because there's a whole lot going on there with like kind of like i was saying different stacks of stuff and your mana levels and and whatnot that you don't need that for all your stances. Some of them are much more straightforward, but for some you of them, you just you need stuff, more. Inf- you need, yeah, you need the information in order to play them properly. So it kind of, you know, it's going to depend on what sort of experience you're kinda going build for. You're doing, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, that seems interesting enough. That's Eastern Exorcist, uh, Josh. I've timed this out perfectly, so I'm going to give you a break, um, and we're going to go mm-hmm. throw it over to Ray, who's here to talk about only the hardest hitting of video games. Ray, I hear you've been playing Spawn for the Game Boy Color. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for you to talk about this. There's not really much to say. So I was just futzing around with uh, my sets of, you know, emulated games. Whoa, theft? I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was on the uh, phone. <laughs> yeah, just backups. So I'm playing around with my... Of someone else's games. My Ambernick... 351M, that metal one that... Hey, you, you held it. How good does that It's be? really good. It's really good. I held it, and then I tried to drive away with it in my car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I was just futzing around, and I was like, okay, let's play a game that is not, like, you know, the go-to. Like, not the Oracle Seasons, Oracle of Ages, Pokemon sort of thing. So I'm going through the list, I'm like, Spawn. Okay. I grew up in the 90s. I was edgelord enough to like everything Todd McFarlane did. Let's load this up. So <laughs> I load up this game and it is uh it's a bad game. It's a game it's one of those side scrolling action games that you could put any property or no property on and it would play exactly yeah. the same. Um but I think I even had a conversation briefly on Twitter with one of your fans about this. Spawn doesn't have a great track history with games. I remember when I was a kid trying to rent the PS one awful title spawn the eternal and that is just one of the worst game experiences i've ever had (laughs) but i would say spawn on the game boy color is better than that because the bar is set so low that it is almost like you dug out a ditch for the bar placed the bar buried it and then anything is over it um but so you have these couple levels it's like four to start and then it goes you know up into heaven down to hell as you could imagine with spawn you uh normally punch you could pick up a handgun, a machine gun, 
or you could because you know spawn sure or you could throw mm -hmm. out your chains by holding down the attack button which uses up your magic which is also your life which is, seems to be a common thing. Just like the real spawn. Exactly. Um, the best level of this game is the second level where you're just on a motorcycle. Um, taking down other people on a motorcycle for no reason. The anti-battle um, toads. Yeah, it, the anti yes, because it is. It's the best level. The uh, game can be beaten by essentially stun locking every single boss in a corner and just repeatedly punching them. Like any uh, good game from the era. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good game. It's, put it this way, it's it's a game you would not play if you had to spend any money on it. Awesome. We're going to continue to say it like it's a joke, but you guys all think we're joking. There's 100% going to be a review for that on the site at some point. Yes, I will be writing a review because... Because I've given the full go-ahead on retro reviews, mostly because sometimes I just want to play Super Mario RPG and justify it as work. Yeah, but see, but that's you playing the good ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> see, yeah, like, I'm, I'm giving I'm, you all I'm the bad here. ones. Yeah, I'm out here with like 007 Nightfire on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're playing, you're playing Spawn for the Game Boy Color and 007 Nightfire, while I play Super Mario RPG and Breath of Fire Three. <laughs> yeah, you know that seems fair. Now, note, Rich isn't actually assigning me any games, which, you know, thankfully, I, which I don't know if that's better or worse. I'm choosing these horrible things on my own. Eventually, there will be certain stuff that's going to be full on, like, please get this done. But yeah, right now, I'm Ray has an inkling to play old stuff, and I've wanted to do retro reviews for a while for the exact reason of, like, sometimes I feel like playing old shit, and it would be cool to reflect on it. So you'll probably see some more content yeah. like that in, in the future. Uh, That's so Raven for the Nintendo DS. Yes, exactly. I prefer the Cory in the House mm -hmm. game, but that comes with some rough uh, rough history now. Uh, I was going to say, wasn't he just arrested? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, oh, God. Josh, let's, let's scoop it back to you. Uh, we're going to keep chugging down your list here. Tell me about Doomsday Vault. Is it better than Spawn? Uh, that's actually our, our bear here. For I mean, it. I Spawn think they're in the, the same universe. On our, on our list. Um, it is a game that I picked up kind of based on the art style. Because um, it is a very... Like, bright kind of citrusy colors all over everything. Oh god, it is. Um um like it's I was going to say Lisa Frank because it's in that color family, but it's not it, it's very different than that aesthetically. Uh it's much more like kind of clean lines and uh it it's 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 what would have happened if we got an, an one extra generation of those candy colored Macs is kind of the aesthetic the game more or less has. Um, and it is an exploration game, basically. Um, it's got an interesting sort of, like, you know, grid with dots on it sort of look to the ground that you can walk on so you can see where you can move. Um, and so I kind of assumed it was going to be more puzzly than it was, but it really is pretty much just exploration. I do like that character um, look, though. Yeah, wandering around these areas, you are essentially—it's essentially Wally, the video game. Yeah, so I got there's fat really people. Wally vibes. Yeah, well, uh, you're playing as, um, 
it it looks like it's a person in a it suit. It is. It specifically says. And, but but like, it, everything is so kind of round and squishy. You know, like that like that kind of iMac aesthetic yeah. sort of thing that you could you could assume it's just like a robot or whatever. Um, From what so I could, it's like Wally meets just, like a '90s Capri Sun commercial. Yeah, it's it's like super bright and fun to explore around. But anyway, you are a person trying to refill the uh, the seed vault, the Doomsday Vault, because we are missing some seeds and whatnot. Um, after whatever you know, ecological apocalypse. It's called human world. Yeah, humans. Um, so you're just you know you're wandering around collecting seeds and fertilizer and you know, trying to regrow stuff. Um, and it is very relaxing. I was expecting more puzzling. Like, it's it's relaxing to the point where it's... I think it... I think it steps over the line into boring on occasion um, from, from what I've played there, because it is just such a chill game. Um, that, yeah, I... I think it's too simple for what I was looking for from it. Like it's it's I don't know. I want I wanted more mechanically from it than it ended up actually being and it is more just around walking around and picking stuff up, looking at the scenery. Uh is kind of the beginning and end of it. Is it a good chill so. stream game like a house flipper or something like that? I I have no idea. I mean, it could be because there's, like, there's, there's no amount of focusing on the game that's going to be required for the most part. You're just wandering around. Um, so, like, a streamer could just, like, talk to their community while repopulating yeah, Doomsday yeah. Vault. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of... you. Yeah, you could absolutely do that. I kind of... I generally see myself just replaying stuff that I've played a million times to accomplish the same sort of a thing. But, yeah, you could you could do that. I just feel like that's whatever I saw people playing House Flipper. It was just for, like, that exact purpose. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. So there are games possibly. to accomplish that goal. I could, I could see that vibing well with that. It's like a Power Wash simulator. I bought, pa- mm-hmm. I bought Power Wash Simulator. Power Wash Simulator is so, yeah. very good. It's gratifying. <laughs> Ooh. Um, all right, cool. Um, I was going to, and then my wife reminded me that we own a Power Washer, so I can just use the power washer. And you were like, but we're selling this house. I don't care about it. The mm-hmm. the reverse thing happened. Dan Riker talked about on his podcast, playing Power Wash Simulator inspired him to buy a power washer. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. is the way we should all he live our lives. Got one. Right? Right? Yeah. The uh, I'd forgotten we, we got a power washer because we got it like last summer and I think we only used it like once mm. or twice to do a few, you know, a few jobs and then kind of sat there all winter. And I hadn't thought about it until this game started coming out. I'm like, ooh, that looks satisfying. I was like, you know. We own one of those. And the house is dirty. We own one of those. (laughs) At at the end of his. We have some dirty shit around the house. Uh, But at the end of his Mm -hmm. story, in typical Dan Riker fashion, he immediately accidentally used the power washer to make a hole in his asphalt driveway. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, Josh, we'll, we'll keep you going because again, I've I've incremented this out perfectly. So tell me about the next game on your long list, um, Dreamscaper. What's going on in the world of Dreamscaper? Uh, this is one that I picked up um, in early access okay. about a year ago. It's in 1.0 now, or still in early access? A little, 
it is it just hit 1.0 beginning of this month and of last month August 5th I'd have to look it up August 5th August 5th beginning of this month um and it is a roguelike where you are having these nightmares every night essentially and so the roguelike part of it is just whenever you are dreaming okay. You're having like essentially like these lucid nightmares and fighting your way through them. Um, Sounds too much like my real life. So I play games to escape. Yeah, and and then kind of it's you know the 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 progression elements kind of are you know you living your actual life. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, ar- around that kind of getting to meet people and you know having new experiences and stuff. I take three pills a day and, to uh, make sure this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is gorgeous gorgeous it's it's got a um like hand painted but like and on a lot a lot of times when you say hand painted it's like kind of lower fidelity this is like really seems like you know the lighting in here is is large large textures that they're using with these hand painted sets and stuff um and it's just it's gorgeous um it's sort of a, you know, almost isometric view um, coming coming in from the side, which can make some of the dodging a little bit tricky, um, just you know because of the depth perception of sometimes enemies being behind you and whatnot. It's kind of the the only complaint I've really had about it so far, but like it's it's not a big one. It's it's that's that's something you can kind of get used to eventually um and other than that one little thing the combat is really satisfying um you know got a you you start with a melee attack a ranged attack but they're always uh like randomized whenever you start so like sometimes you'll start with a sword or sometimes you'll start with like boxing gloves uh, and then you can, you know, have everything from water balloons to a bow for your ranged attack so they, whenever you start a run. So they get, like, jokey. Yeah, well, a lot, it's it's more... When you say water, like, you say water balloon, it's like, that sounds, like, jokey. Well, it's more like things you have experience with, because it's, like, your your dreams. Like, so those are a lot of them, like, physical objects that, uh, you know, the main character knows. Like, after you've after you've played for a little while, you can unlock the buster sword because of, well, of course you're going to think of that as what weapon are you going to have in your that's, dreams obviously that's kind of what i was taking obviously to. you're going to think of weapons from different games it seems like the buster sword seems to be on their like headline image on the 1.0 yeah. now thing yeah no mm-hmm. it seems to me from what i can gather looking at the imagery and stuff and like you said like you're building relationships and stuff in the real world during the day to sort of affect your subconscious mm-hmm. So, like, it seems like it's almost like there's an escalation there in terms of what you can kind of conjure in your own subconscious as a as a weapon. Yes, yeah, and you'll, um, like, during the day, it's... Um, obvious, obviously, there's not the same amount of time management. Oh, that really like is persona, just straight up the Buster Sword. It, yes, it is. Like, they, they call it the Buster Sword as well, which I thought was funny, but... Um, it almost sounds like Catherine. It, yeah, it's similar-ish. Oh, it's Cuber. Great, more, I'll play it. Um, it's it like while you're while you're in dreams, you'll kind of 
I can't remember the name of all the stats, but they're essentially essentially like different currency, like okay, like creativity or something, and like um, instead of finding you know finding like recipes or or blueprints for different weapons, you'll find ideas, and then you'll have to go think about them in the real world to kind of like you know sketch them or something in order to um, flesh it out enough to be able to then dream about it later. Um, this sounds cool. It's it's. Yeah, it's really fun. It is really fun. I thought it looked good whenever it first hit early access, and it has just gotten prettier and prettier, and the gameplay has gotten tighter since then, and it is really fun. It is um, these sort of almost 3D roguelikes are, I think, a little bit harder to nail just because there's more like physical space and place for things to go wrong. There's um, more work like to be done in making it feel right. Yeah, and I think they've done a really good job with it. Like I feel like there are a couple games that have kind of gotten overlooked because they're not as flashy as the ones that have really really caught on, like Dead Cells and sure. whatnot. Um but like I've really liked I'm I I am so I'm 3 4 worlds deep cuz essentially um Like like most roguelikes, you'll go through like different levels, kind of um, with the with the caveat being that you can save and quit between floors on this one because you'll briefly wake up from your dreams, kind of start awake. That'll give you the option to save and quit if you just don't want to go all the way through a run at okay. a time on this one, which which I appreciate, kind of giving you a place to stop easily, um, especially after Returnal where I'd get stuck on a four-hour run occasionally. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, man. I love Returnal, but God, like, they need to fix that. Yeah, I absolutely love Returnal, but th- yeah, there are so many times when that game is just like... It's it, it, like, it seems like it just hates yeah, you. man. With, like, with some of the... It, it's crazy. Know, anti-user I, I think of that game as, like, if they fix some of those features, it'll probably be pretty high up on my Game of the Year list by the end of it, because if they fix a lot of that stuff, yeah. I will definitely get back into it and see it through to the end uh but i, I don't want to oh, work yeah. on returnal for too long that was dreamscaper um that's all is that also only on steam right now do you know that for sure <sighs> let me look this one up i feel like that one josh is making my wish list kind of just blow up my wish list has was already pretty high but like whenever i talk to josh for more than an, it's on switch okay it's on switch Twenty-four ninety-nine. yeah yeah, whenever the 1.0 released it is also on Switch. Great. I might pick that up on Switch. Um, all right, we're going to keep breaking this down a little bit and give Josh another reprieve here. Uh, <laughs> Ray, you told me you have been playing a game that was on very high up in my game of the year last year, and that is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, Remastered Collection. Yeah, so this is a game I bought initially when it came out. When... I have a long history with the Tony Hawk games. I've been playing them since they first started on the PlayStation 1. I've been obsessed with the series pretty much from... A thing you and I have done together drunk inside a gas station quite a bit in our lives, which is a thing not a lot of people can say. (laughs) Yes. I say I've poured way too many hours into every game from 1 until Tony Hawk's Underground 2 because I hate Bam Margera. And that kind of like... So does the cast of Jackass. Yeah, apparently. Um... So, 
I bought this game when it first came out on the PlayStation 4. Now, I have an Xbox Series X, not a PlayStation 5, because they're, you know... I'm sure Returnal will be a great game when I finally get a PS5 in 2028. Hey, the man I killed to get my PS5 had nothing to live for anyway. I, especially since you took his PS5. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rebought it on the Series X because I want to take advantage of, you know, the better lighting options. But especially what I want to take advantage of is the loading on these new consoles. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, it's everything I was hoping for in terms of, like, you're doing your runs. You get, you know, four or five goals done in one run. You have 28 seconds left. You're like, wait, I know I don't have time to finish, you know ollieing you know five cars in new york city so i'm just gonna hit retry and then get right back into it with a fresh two minutes like this whole quick loading thing like you know obviously with the new generation photorealism is getting more and more attainable but i gotta say just the under the hood stuff is where i'm seeing the real benefits it's this loading it's the lighting it's just yeah especially games like this where it's so about like you said like if you can have that like burnout crash mode level of fidelity of like boom now go again boom now go again yeah and especially in a game like uh, like a tony hawk one if you don't start your run the way you want to start it yeah i just hit retry because i've played these games so many times on so many different platforms i'm like in my head i've like i know how this is supposed to go even with the you know the you know, quality of life things that they kept from later games. Like, you shouldn't be able to manual in Tony Hawk 1. You shouldn't be able to revert in either of these. There should be no the, manual specials. But that's the best part of it, is, like, I'm so good at stringing combos, because and I, I talked at length on this show about that. Like, the stuff they added from Pro Skater 3 and 4, like, just makes these feel perfect, and I really do hope we get those two... Like, I hope we get a sequel to this, or a proper... A Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 6 that is this and not what Pro Skater 5 was. Yeah. Now, see, you say that's the best part. To me, the best part about all this is the character models, because Tony Hawk is old-ass Tony Hawk. Yeah. Rodney Mullen <laughs> looks like he's about to collect his, like, freaking AARP card. And whereas he <laughs> looked like he was 13 in the original. <laughs> yeah, no. And they started sending me letters. I, I, I meant to say that AARP, I've been getting letters from AARP telling me about the benefits of well, that's very nice of them. No, yeah, like yeah. Rodney Mullen. Joining up. Rodney Mullen actually just had a birthday, so he's even another year older. No, and the, these guys, like, you got to unlock younger models of them, but that's not what I want. Yeah, I love no. the fact that, like, Tony Hawk's like, I'm old. It's fine. I want to play as the Tony Hawk with the bad knees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it's one thing I find fun. Like, I get it. In the old Tony Hawk games, when you fell... You'd see a little bit of pixelated blood and stuff like that. In this, they can't do that. The fidelity is way too high, and you don't want to take these geriatric. It men. would get uncomfortable. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to take Steve Caballero and like throw him off a cliff and then see what would happen. You don't. Mm-hmm. F- Chad Muska, <laughs> yes. Whoa, Chad Muska! <laughs> you gave me a skateboard. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic game, and just. And I cannot stress this enough, it feels right. And that's the big difference between that and that Tony Hawk HD on the Xbox 360 gen. Where yeah, it just didn't that, feel right. The feel is so important and like these 
I'm so glad these exist. Like, yeah, I, I didn't even play it much after that, but I, I paid for the $10 upgrade to PS5 just because I wanted to... Tony Hawk is a game I find myself going back to on nights where, like, I come back from a bar with some friends and we just, like, open another beer at my place and just play some Tony Hawk. Well, it turns out the muscle memory I had from 1999 didn't entirely go away, and that's really weird to say. Yeah, I, I brought that up, and it actually makes me almost glad you're here now because I wanted to do that as a group stream when that game initially launched, Ray, but nobody else quite has the experience with Tony Hawk I do. They felt like it was just, oh, to quote Shay, he's yeah. like, I don't want to do a stream where we just show up for you to kick our asses. <laughs> yes, no, me and you going head-to-head would actually be competitive. Yeah, we might have to do because that at some point. I was the person in my friend's group that kicked everybody's ass. Mm-hmm. You know, we play graffiti. It looks like I was losing, but it turns out the entire two-minute run was me doing one combo. So then I land, the entire board Board. turns my color. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you win that. Uh, It's also shocking the Mm -hmm. amount of my brain's memory that is apparently taken up with the location of secret tapes. Yes, I don't even try to go for them. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was by accident, but here we are. And the soundtrack, you know, and I can't stress this enough, so much of my music tastes... Was formed by skateboarding video games. Yeah, specifically Tony Hawk games. Like, you know, people will still talk about, you know, the Goldfinger song, you know. um, Goldfinger actually had two songs. They had one in Tony Hawk 4 also. But, like, you know, bands like Mill and Colin, I wouldn't have listened to without them. And, like, they get all those bands in there. Well, that. Like, there's really nothing I feel like I'm missing. Yeah, it's that era of my life was flavored by, like, not only the Tony Hawk games, but, like, finding bands through skate videos at that point yeah. in my life because I was doing a lot of actual skateboarding around that time. Yeah, you watch like a Mullen vs. Song video and you're like, yo, this music's great. No, but it, and Tony Hawk was just like such a good distillation of that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're able to play around like, you know, I don't like this song, let's turn it off. You know, this Lagwagon yeah. song is great, we're keeping it on. It was... Uh, it like embodied that culture, not just the like actual like arcade skateboarding. It em- embodied that weird culture and it was fucking awesome and i really want there to be a modern tony hawk that feels good because everything that tries just never quite gets it for me i've bought every session every skater xl everything chasing the modern what is it well i mean we're gonna get a new skate yeah which obviously is a completely different thing but you know like it's nice to see that we might have an era again where you have your amazing arcadey skateboarding game and then possibly amazing simulation game um can also recommend the ramp on steam oh, the, for six dollars to- yeah the it's, toy it's more it's of a toy i'll talk about that actually right now because um yeah it's self-described as a toy it's six dollars it's an isometric skateboarding game um more like skate or die for anyone that remembers that um yep. but the thing that's novel about it is it's just a series of different like ramps and bowls and there are no goals it is just a chill thing to sit and skateboard with. And the designer even says in the description, he's like, this is less of a game and more of a toy, so please understand what you're buying. Mm-hmm. The level, it's the levels themselves kind of remind me of, um, like, Hitman Go in aesthetic. Yeah, 100%. 100% that. That's a good aesthetic. If someone doesn't have context, it's like that almost... It looks like you're looking in a wooden board game piece. It type. looks it's like a toy as well, is the thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's real clean. I like I like the look of this. And it, that's $6 on Steam, and if you have any love for skateboarding games, it is worth 
six dollars to just play around with this thing. Almost, uh, it almost you can use it like a fucking meditation app. Honestly, it's easy to lose yourself in. Just sell all those extra Steam trading cards you have for eight cents a piece yeah. until you have the six dollars required uh, to buy this. It'd be great if there was a way you could set it up to auto run. Oh, just set it as a, as a screensaver. Screen yeah. sleep like it's a screensaver. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I would actually be, really like that. It would be a great like it's screen a track saver. screen for my PC. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was that was Tony Hawk. That was skateboarding as a culture in a nutshell. Um, Josh, you got two more for us. Um, oh so I want to ask you about Strange Land because I looked this up and it looks like it's weird looking, but it also looks like an old ass adventure game. So please tell yep. me more. Uh, so Strange Land is a um, point and click adventure game with a big focus on the narrative. Um, that is by Wormwood Studios. It's published by Wajidai, but Wajidai uh, also. Uh, it's a weird thing. Like it was made by a really small, you know, team. But uh, for anyone who's not big into adventure games, still, Wajidai are publishers of like some of the best uh, adventure games in the last several years. Like uh, they're they're the people kind of maintaining that genre and not letting it completely die by releasing some great great narrative games in that space recently. Um, Strangeland is a surreal adventure game um, where everything is fairly metaphorical. I I, I don't want to spoil so much on here because it's hard to talk about it because the whole game is kind of built around the narrative. Um, Spoil it all. Spoiler cast. Imp- um, impromptu spoiler cast. Secret yeah, spoiler yeah. cast. Um, <laughs> um, I see a carnival. Yeah, like you, the whole spoiler. thing kind of. Damn it! It's 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 interesting. On uh, it does something that if you're like in, if you if you've been playing adventure games for a long time, you know that especially like the Sierra games, they'd kill you at the drop of a hat over absolutely nothing. Um, this game is exactly like that. You will die for talking to somebody the wrong way, um, or from accidentally, you know, touching something that kills you, um, very easily. With the addendum to that being, it doesn't mean your game is over. You essentially just respawn with all your inventory and whatnot, but you've died and have just, you, you know, you go back to that first starting area and have to make your way back into the carnival to continue um, exploring and trying to... Um, Alright, this, this is right at the beginning, so it's, it's not a massive spoiler, but you are trying to save this woman who has just jumped into a well. Like, as soon as the game starts out, she just she jumps into a well. Kind of over and over again. It's not, it's not a time loop game, per se, but it's kind of it's got that dream logic type stuff will happen over and over again um, sort of a feel to it um, and so you're trying to save her um, in this circus 
or carnival circus is not um but it it because the whole thing feels like a dream uh it it does an excellent job of kind of allowing things to be kind of over the top and theatrical without it feeling cheesy in a way they're able to I'm, I'm honestly extremely impressed with the writing in this game um, they're able to do so many clever things that I'm, I'm sure you've played enough games like this where a game knows it's clever and is insufferable about stuff sure um Whereas this game, it's doing a lot of that, like, really knowing type writing on it, but it all works, or almost all works. I think there are, you know, there are one or two spots where it's like, okay, okay, you, you may have kind of stepped a little over the line, you know, explaining something that you, you didn't need to explain this. Like, we got that. It's kinda, it kind of feels like they're looking down at you a little bit. But again, it's like once or twice over the course of the entire game, um, that one or two lines. It's it's it's. I'm. I absolutely loved my time with it. Um, it is a small screen count adventure game because the whole thing is kind of built around this carnival that you go into and die and then have to get back to places easily enough. So it can't be huge, but they're able to use the screens on there in really interesting ways to give you kind of like more than one objective in a place um, to get a lot of use um, out of an area, which I really like. Um, like to, to the point where near the end they recontextualize the entire area again and kind of feels like you're starting over from scratch. And it's just, it's just adding more and more context onto everything you're experiencing. Um, it's it is outstanding. Um, if if adventure games are not your thing, um, I, I I played it on stream and almost no one was there. So there's not a lot of talking. If you kind of want to just see what the game is like, that vod should still be up on on Twitch. For the time being, if you're kind of curious, to, uh, you know, to, to see <laughs> what it looks like, that should be up for a while longer now. Very um, cool. I might, I might, we might put that one on YouTube or something. I don't know. Maybe not. If you get um, around to it, I but, encourage it. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely love this game. It is uh, great, great writing, great voice acting. I, I kind of distracted myself earlier on. That was one of the things that Wajidai did for this one because it was such a small studio. They handled the voices for it because they had connections from a lot of other games that they had made previously. Mm -hmm. And the voice acting is outstanding in this game. Um, it, it really it brings it brings that writing to life in a really impressive way. Sounds neat. Um, it's definitely got a fucking grimdark look, but it seems appealing, especially if you're in the mood for that uh, old-ass adventure game. Um, mm -hmm. But, Josh, last thing I want to ask you about, I saw you played some 12 Minutes. Um, 
Shay has got a review for this up on the site as of now. I have yet to dive into it, but we'll probably do so this coming weekend, so I'm sure we'll have another discussion about this. But let's hear some first impressions here. 12 minutes, we talked about this game a lot. It is finally out. It's on Game Pass. What are we thinking? Um, I mentioned earlier on that I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to end up playing out um, in order to not let you just instantly um, get it the first uh. time. And there's there's a ton of information that you just don't have at the beginning, um, and dialogue options that are just they're not options. Like these, you know, when the game first starts, does it feel almost like as the character learns more, you're you're getting more options? Uh, yes, yes. Like as the character learns things, you'll get options. Like there's like there's stuff you, you can poke and prod at this because the character wouldn't know to. Yes, so, like so I was Bill worried. Murray? I was no, you're Willem Dafoe. No, Willem Dafoe is the bad. Oh, guy, okay, actually. I misunderstood. The, uh, the but guy. this is like ground. Yeah, this is Groundhog's Day. It is a a time loop that all takes place within twelve minutes. It is a an Annapurna yeah. joint. A lot, a lot of big names attached: Willem Dafoe, Daisy Ridley, James Back. Yeah, I get. I the, like the yeah. closest thing. I guess honestly, it is is I, I think it's closer to something like Ghost Trick, um, with the like short time loop it's called 12 minutes because that's the full loop as long as you kind of let things play out play out completely that almost never happens like um especially whenever you're poking at certain aspects of stuff you end up getting yourself killed really easily uh and only making it like halfway through that so it ends up being closer to six minutes mm-hmm. a lot of the, the time director's cut's 18 minutes yeah the uh you can you can interact with everything in the rooms and whatnot, um, right from the beginning. So it's not like you're locked off from that, but you don't have the context to make use of stuff. Sure. Um, in a lot of ways, um, because there's just there's knowledge that you don't have, um, like as far as character motivations and whatnot. Um, where like if as you see stuff play out. On the next loop, you'll be able to um, talk to your wife and tell her, hey, we're in a time loop. What can I say that would make you believe me? And you'll have to have context from these other loops in order to have convincing enough proof to be able to convince her um, about certain things. And that may or may not be the way you end up getting out of the loop, but there's value in trying completely off the wall different well, approaches. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like with a game like this, there would be value in poking and prodding at every seam because every piece of information could be vital. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's... It's flexible enough to allow you to do just weird approaches, things that don't seem like they'd be what you actually want to do, um, but they support it as far as, like, okay, this... That's just what I'm going to do. This on this particular run, we're going to try doing things this way, even if it seems completely counterintuitive. How is that going to help? Well, you're stuck in a time loop. You may as well try it. Is like kind of the character's motivation sure. for it. And well, you're playing the game, so of course you're going to try it. Um, and so far, I've been really impressed with the the way that's supported. Um, there are some simulati- simulationy 
sort of weirdness to it that I've I've noticed here and there, uh, just because it's a time loop. But you know, everything is not completely on rails. Like there's an amount of AI in order to make things play out reasonably. Mm-hmm. But that kind of leads to some weird, you know, like characters clipping through each other type stuff. It's not enough to like really matter, but because the camera is so intimate in the way they're framing this whole thing with just like a, you know, a top down camera looking into your apartment, everything feels really personal. So whenever some of those things happen, it's like it stands out more than it would in another game. Like you clip through people in basically every game. That's not even a thing you care about, but like, Whenever it's framed in a particular way, it's you know it's weird. Yeah, so, yeah. Sometimes it makes things those sort of things stand out in ways that you'd never care about otherwise. Um, surprisingly enough, this is also a point-and-click adventure game, which is something they didn't really say from like the early trailers. Like it's not that they hid it, hid it, but it wasn't like. Um, is it point and click though in the sense so like do you get the impression of that it would be that way on console I don't even like you can move yes yes like you're you're moving a cursor around not the character okay. uh, if you are using controller and it is a matter of clicking on a thing to pick up an item you can drag items to combine them or you like use an item on one thing or another sure. it is it is very much very much a point and click adventure game but you know this weird simulation-y top-down time loop sort of take on that. Um, which I, I really like. I know some people, like, they hear point-and-click adventure and they just... They're they're out. They're just they're out because that, you know, is just not something they're interested in, which... Okay. I think... I don't know. Everybody, everybody's like that about something, so whatever. Teach but, their own. Um... Yes, yes. Um, Does nothing to dissuade me. Yes, yeah. There is... Again, because the time loop sort of aspect to it, there's there's some of the... Not moon logic to the puzzles, but like... Because they give you options to do basically everything, there's, there's so many options that they need to support that sometimes that also fails. Like... Um, well, not fails, but, like, you have awkward moments where, like, okay, uh, let me try using this item on my wife, and there's, like, one bark for it. And it's just kind of, like, it'll, it'll say the one bark. Yeah. Um, well, like, okay, let's try these three items, and they'll all go, and they'll all have, like, the same bark to it. And it feels very much like you're an adventure game just trying stuff out. Um, which I kind of think, you know takes a little away from the way the narrative is really the focus on this um yeah i like it i, I like that sort of simulation-y sort of it's it is absolutely my jam okay um i am i am i am digging basically everything it's got going on the i, I uh, the biggest caveat so far that I'm going to have to put out there with this is because of the sort of intimate camera and how close they are to things. The game can be fairly brutal because of just the subject matter of um, 
you know, your home getting invaded and this guy killing the two of you over and over again. Um, and that is also going to be something else that I think some people are going to... It's that's That's... That's not your relaxing, you know. Let's come home from work and and chill. Sort of a sort of a game. It is. It's that for someone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, especially, especially, kind of like I was saying with, since it is a time loop, you want to poke and prod at the edges and try to get more information. And some of the playthroughs of that end up being hard to play through because of the you know kind of what that means by you okay let's see how this plays out if i do nothing sort of a thing um which is yeah it it gets kind of tough to watch in places um yeah i can imagine um but I suppose that's the nature of it. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll leave more in depth that because I know Shay has finished it, and I'd imagine you and I will probably both have finished it um, by the time we talk about it again next week. Uh, so I'll yes. leave it for then. But that is twelve minutes, and believe it or not, fellas, because there's no polls this week because that is Shay's bag. Um, somehow, this is the uh, this might be the shortest podcast we've done in a very long time. Um, yeah. short, sweet, to the point. That we say about me. Um, wonderful time for some plugs. Uh, thank you, everyone. For, thanks to all for listening. You can find all of us uh, on this podcast, obviously, and at swordchomp.com, where there are articles. There's more podcasts. There's so much going on. Reviews, all sorts of fun content. But if we want to get a little more specific, Josh, where, where can people find you? Where are you at? You on the Twitters? You on the Instagrams? I am on Twitter at, let me go, I, I always have to check mine, at Josh underscore Fowler. Josh underscore Fowler. Ray, thanks for filling in tonight. Uh, yeah, no, happy to be here. Where can people find and connect with you besides the front page of swordchomp.com? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ray Knows Nothing. Um, yeah, it's... it's basically it for now i mean you know i have a twitch page i don't use and you just see my writing up on sword chomp which appears sometimes the articles have comment boxes sometimes they don't um they only don't have them when i forget to turn them on uh oh okay i, I see i kind of wanted to ask i just didn't like i would look at yeah them, like, honestly this article here's a, a comment box here's, this one doesn't. here's a fun no, pull back the veil thing if you notice it doesn't have it just message me and i'll turn it on uh, please comment. I actually am glad you brought that up because I meant to bring that up. Comments are active on the website now. Please comment, engage, come talk to us about our shitty writing. Um, I, of course, am Rich Meister. You can find me at the Rich Meister Zero on Twitter and at the Rich Meister Zero on Instagram and over at SwordChomp.com. You can follow SwordChomp at, on Twitter <laughs> uh, and you can follow us uh, on Instagram as well, just at SwordChomp. Uh, thanks guys for hanging out uh, Josh thanks for joining me from Michigan Ray from New York uh, Shay Layton will be back next week but we're going to call this an early night for this relaxing podcast and we hope to see you guys here next time have a great night everybody <laughs> <laughs>